Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 267. We're no stranger to the impact that something like this can have on a business and how very quickly you have to switch gears. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and if you're new here, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have all of you joining me here today. This is the third episode in our four-part series highlighting business owners who have faced these new times and gotten creative and become stronger for it. I'm so inspired by the ownership and control of your destiny that so many of you are exhibiting. And the solutions that are being devised are genius. It's also exciting to know that some of these new concepts are working so well that they'll be incorporated into your planning long term. My goal for these four episodes is to spark ideas for you. If you're just starting out in your business, there are ways to attract customers or creative services to offer that you may not have considered yet. And if you're an established business, these examples may trigger another idea to use now or in the future. Speaking of established businesses, I've heard from a number of you that are asking how to join Makers MBA. Now, this program was originally created to take a brand new business dreamer from concept to profitable business in a proven step-by-step manner. But I'm listening to you because the truth is, even when you have a business up and running, things can get messy and important elements like websites and email marketing can be forgotten or never set up in the first place because you're busy. And interestingly, we have many people who have gone through Makers MBA and were already in business, but wanted to join for just this reason. So I've created a new option for you, my established business listeners who've had your business up and running for two years or more. If that's you and you want to know more, please head over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash Makers MBA. There you'll see a link for established businesses, and you can go from there. Let's get into what's up today. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. I'm talking with Ann Pazier, who lives in California with her children and a firefighter husband. No matter where you live, I'm certain that you've heard all about the fires in that area. My son even sent me a photo last season of the fires shutting down the highways. There's a reason behind the saying, spreading like wildfire. All of that is to say, Anne is no stranger to serious disruption in her normal business flow. I want you to listen closely as we talk, not just to the details of the programs she's going to share with us, but how her brain starts to think as she plans her responses to these crises. Because within her strategic thinking is where the magic of her creative thoughts and actions form. Today, it is my pleasure to reintroduce you to Anne Pazier. 
Anne is the owner of Santa Barbara Gift Baskets, located in, guess where? Santa Barbara, California. Operating out of a 3,000-square-foot refurbished welding garage, Anne and her team curate and produce gifts featuring locally sourced gourmet foods, spa products, and handmade goods. Her retail establishment also serves as a wine bar and craft beer tasting room. Anne began her business 15 years ago after stepping down from a corporate sales position to start her family. She used that experience to immediately begin focusing her gifting services on corporate clientele. Today, her portfolio also includes a great deal of hospitality and event business, along with a large following of loyal individual clients. Outside of her business, Anne is active in her community and serves on several boards, including her local chamber, Cottage Hospital, and the Santa Barbara chapter of the National Association of Women Business Owners, also known as NABO, of course. Anne and her husband, Todd, a firefighter, are proudly raising their two children, Aiden, who I understand just turned 16, and Katie, who is 10. Anne, welcome back to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thanks so much for having me back. And I have become such a fan of yours because I feel like the first time we recorded this, it was among the first dozen or so that you had done. And now I'm a loyal, avid listener and subscriber. Oh, you're so sweet for saying that. And yes, I wanted to blow your mind with how long ago that was. (laughs) You were episode number eight. Care to think of what year that was? It was five years ago, wasn't it? Or no, four years ago? 2015. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And our shop was brand new to us at that point. I remember. It was brand new. And so Gift Biz listeners, you can go back and I would actually love for you to do so. Hear Anne's whole story of how she started the business, because that's not what we're going to focus on now. You can already listen to that episode of how she started the business, how it was growing and evolving. And yeah, you had just moved into this location. And now look at where you've gone from here. I know. And this funky location that I was so doubtful at first because it's completely non-traditional, off the kind of beaten path, old welding garage. And now as we talk, I can share with you a little bit later in some of the things we've used this funky aspect of our space to really benefit us in these crazy times. Seriously, for sure. That is absolutely true. And I also just have to say, just for fun as we're getting started here, do you remember what happened during our first recording? (laughs) I do. I do, because I think because it is this sort of tin roof and it was a functioning store that was open to the public, I had to go out to my car, I think, to do the interview. And then everything heated up to the point where my phone just died. And we completed the rest of it inside after it cooled down in my wine room. And I think I sat on a couple cases of wine, staring at all of our chocolate and wine stash while we did the rest of it. I love that story. That is so hysterical to me. (laughs) That's how we did it. But it all worked out. You take the situation at hand and you make it work. You roll with it. And how you reach people can be different and non-traditional. And again, that is in alignment with what I think we're going to talk a little bit about today. Yeah, absolutely. And you are going to be, I believe, the third in my series here about how people are coping with the whole pandemic and what's been Mm -hmm. going on and how people have shifted. I've decided I was going to do this at the last minute because at first I was like, not everyone's going to be wanting to focus on this. Like there's so much emotion around it that I wanted a safer place not to talk about it. 
But as things evolved and as we've gone on, there's no choice. Like you have to be looking at it. And I actually think it's a really good lesson of how we need to be able to flex our businesses in different ways and be creative, et cetera, so that we can make it through unknowns that are going to occur. Absolutely. Hopefully they won't all be as dramatic as what we're doing right now. Oh my. (laughs) I could use with not so much drama for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just have this be the only one that happens. But when... I heard, because of course we chat periodically, and when I heard what you did and how you've worked through this, I definitely knew that you were one of the people that I wanted to have come on to share your story. So that's what I'm completely 100% I want to focus on today is just how you worked through all of this. I'll have some questions along the way, and hopefully we'll also spark some ideas for other people so that they could use something similar for their business as they go forward. So, But let's start with everything looked like it was changing, and business as you had normally done it is now going to have to take a pivot. So take us there, and what were you thinking back then, and walk us through that. Well, I want to start by just saying that lots of parts of the country have experienced various regional crises, and Santa Barbara is definitely one of them. I think you're aware that in the last couple of years, we had this fire that started really far away from us in another town, and at the time, I would have never imagined that it would have the impact that it did. But over a month's time, I mean, it's really funny how this kind of mirrors a lot of what's going on with us. Over a month's time, the fire got closer, conditions got worse, they started closing the freeways down. Our little town that relies so heavily on hospitality was really kind of cut off from the major artery to the rest of California. And then we had the just horrific, deadly mud flow incident in Montecito. So we're no stranger to the impact that something like this can have on a business and how very quickly you have to switch gears. And I remember when all of that was going on, that the businesses that were downtown, especially the retail businesses that only had a storefront, really suffered. The ones that did survive that period of time survived because they very quickly ramped up and started having an online presence. And I think that's probably serving them now, once again, because all of the doors are shut again for many of those businesses. So it sounds like there were quite a few brick and mortar shops that were caught not ready for this, obviously, because they didn't have an online presence. And so there was that kind of like, as you're talking in your chambers and other networking meetings, was that really recognized as this is a necessity for people to have to work through? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm sure that your listeners who, and most of them, well, not most of them, some of them have a brick and mortar business. That whole business model has changed. And I didn't know enough to talk about it when you and I spoke the first time, because that was my sort of first experience of having retail. I had always been online and I had always relied on corporate clients and so forth. So I learned over the last few years how to have a retail storefront. And that was new to me. But the fact that I can go back to my original model, which was really online sales, has been helpful. Amazon, just the face of downtowns, our downtown in Santa Barbara, we have a homelessness crisis down there. We have high rents. There's a lot of things happening in our downtown that are changing the way that retail operates in general. So this just sort of sped everything up, I think, quite a bit. Sure. So anyone who's listening who is in a physical location, this would be then a heads up, kind of like a little poke (laughs) to say, if you don't have an online presence right now, it makes sense to start developing one. And by online presence, Anne, what are you encompassing in that? We just have a very robust website that has all of our products. It has, I go in regularly and look at metrics and look at things to tell me what are people searching for? What new products do we need to add? 
which ones should we take down because they're not getting as much interest. Again, we're unique, and I should just remind people who don't know that we really heavily focus on items that are sourced locally here in Santa Barbara or other parts of California. So our business is unique in that sense that people look for us for just gifts in general, but certainly if they're looking for a regional gift, we would come up pretty quickly for them. Got it. Okay, so your website, keywords and all of that, optimized Mm -hmm. for search and all of that is also local. Where does a Facebook page fit into this? And the reason I say that is, you know, a lot of people think online presence and they say, okay, well, I've got a Facebook page, so I'm good. So the Facebook page is key for, again, this is kind of just like everything that's going on right now, right? You have to have so many different channels that people can reach you because you have some people that Instagram resonates with them, or maybe Facebook is the way that they do shopping and everything else. And then others stumble even with an online order. And that's why having the retail option or at least a phone that they can call and do it over the phone with is important as well. We actually use our Facebook page. We use the shop now option on Facebook a lot. Are you familiar with that? Share that with us. And I'm just going to use this as an example because literally as we get off the phone and I'm behind in it, but I'm launching a nominate an extraordinary mom for Mother's Day and we're going to give away five Mother's Day gift baskets to different winners. So I have linked on my Facebook page under the Shop Now category, I've uploaded links to the four different Mother's Day products that are on my website. And I put the description there and it links right to my page. It's got photos that they can see. I posted it as posts within my page. But the nice thing is that also when I go over to Instagram, which is truly my more main platform, I actually do a lot more selling and storytelling and connecting with my clientele through Instagram. But because those two are, does Facebook own Instagram or is it the other way around? Yeah, Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So I've like, I've gone into Canva and I've designed all my graphics to be prepared to put these stories out, the Instagram post. And there's a link that you can put to the products if you've already put them up over on your Facebook page. So it's such a helpful tool to get people to my website pretty easily through that channel. I don't know if I've made that clear enough. (laughs) That's perfect. You've got your website though, as the base and then Facebook, and then by the connection, Instagram, when they're looking at those posts and they're interested in what they click through to is the link to your website to those products. Yes. And you know, you do so many programs with Sue B. Zimmerman, and I've learned so much by listening into both of you. And I just remember learning how critical those stories are and how linking people and also how you don't own your Instagram or your Facebook at any point. That's just rented space that those organizations can take away from you if they had any reason to. But getting them to your website and getting them to become a user where you're capturing their email address is just so, so critical. And that was just one of the valuable tools I picked up from you and some of the podcasts you've had with her. Wonderful. Yes, absolutely. And I could not have said it any better. So that was perfect. (laughs) I learn. I learn. (laughs) Well, that's why you're so successful. Like you are. Like you listen to what people have to say. You take it. You analyze it. And then you implement the things that make sense for you. I've seen it this whole time. Thank you. And you're not feeling like you have to figure it out yourself all the time, which is really smart. Well, in the introduction, you were kind enough to share. I do sit on the board of my chamber, my cottage hospital here in town, our big hospital organization, and then NABO. And it's hard to juggle from a time standpoint under normal circumstances, being part of all these organizations. But those are where I truly make my connections and where I kind of am able to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on. 
So I know we're getting to it, but I was going to share with you one of the very first things I did when it became clear that businesses were going to start sending their workforce home. This was before in California we had any kind of mandate to do so. I noticed that my top three corporate clients were shutting down their offices and moving everybody to virtual home offices. So very quickly, we took designs that we kind of already had, product that we already had, and put together what we labeled a virtual workforce gifting suite is what I called it. And I had a whole tab on my website. And if you have your ducks in a row, you can pretty quickly pull things together once you recognize the behavior change in your bigger clients. So that was one of the things we did based on that. But you're right. Always watching and being open to what people are doing next and what their behavior is, is key. Yeah. And I want to underline the fact that you talk about your local networking and the groups that you're part of keep you really in tune with what's going on. And I think that's critical. It's not anything that I think we often talk about as an added value to networking, but here it clearly served you well. So with what did you call these again, the virtual... We called them, I struggled with it because we're all inventing language now. That just wasn't what we used to say before, right? So I think I called it virtual workforce gifting. So we have a happy hour box that has a craft beer from a local brewery. We have a little champagne version of it. And then we have a virtual break room box. And the whole idea behind that is your staff no longer has that great benefit of going into the break room and sharing snacks together, but you can be on a Zoom meeting and send the box ahead to everybody. And then they all can be sort of experiencing the same water cooler environment, if you will, Mm -hmm. that they had. Water cooler is so old fashioned because now they have like kombucha on draft and (laughs) seriously (laughs) crazy work break rooms. It's true. It's true. How did you get the word out about the virtual workforce gifting? So you created the product. You decided, okay, I see there's a change. There is a need on behalf of these businesses because you want to still keep that team, that feeling of team together. Now they're going to be working virtually where they never may have before. Yes. So you identified that, you figured out, and I really like, Anne, that you used product you already had. So you didn't go adding to your cost because we Mm -hmm. had no idea at that point what was going to be happening. And then how did you communicate out about the product? So I did my typical social media releases of information and so forth. But I also, this time I really took the time to personally call on the phone, which I know we talked the other day. Is that crazy? People would actually call and speak with each other. But I called them and said, hey, I understand that you guys are, I even sent a couple samples to some of the people that were my contacts in advance and just said, hey, this box is arriving. I want to explain what it's all about. If this is something that is going to fit a need for you and your team, or if you have communication that you'd like to send to us or drop off at our door, we can incorporate a meeting agenda or whatever collateral might be important. Or maybe everybody needs to get hand sanitizer or some element of something that's left at the office that we can ship to them, that type of thing. So phone calls to them directly. And then I promoted it on my personal pages. Like there is so much value with your own personal page. I'm always shocked by people who don't under their about us on their personal page link that to their business. Like everybody needs to know that you own such and such business and how to get there and how to become a fan of it because they all want to support you. So out of my personal page, I just promoted it to my friends saying, hey, who all has had to be moved to a home office? Raise your hand or let me know if you have. I have a great opportunity for you to share with your management or you with your team. And I had more takers that way than anywhere else. That's interesting. And I really like that because Facebook sees that you're advertising, 
you can have a problem, right? Because you're not supposed to advertise on your personal page. But the way you did it was more just a post communication with your friends. So the wording. Mm -hmm. And then did you have a picture of it? Oh, I had a picture of it and I had a link to it. Okay. I have to be careful because Facebook does not like that I sell alcohol at all. So like I can only show the break room option in my shop now on Facebook, but I can certainly talk about it and I can do a link over to my website to that category on the page. Is this on your personal page or on your business page? Is the sensitivity to alcohol on any image? No, it's just if you're doing like a shop now or an advertisement, they screen it. All right. Yeah, they've gotten very picky, even for ad approvals. I've gotten a couple of things rejected and it's like, why? But then when my ad team calls up and explains it, then they're like, okay, approved. Right. They're watching. And I think that's fine. Look, you know, we've got all this issue going on with the virus. We've got an election year. We're now in the middle of, apart from just the whole security things that, that could go on. Right. It is what it is. It's okay. And we can work around it for sure. All right, so I love this. I'm calling this category kind of revising and re-implementing your product to fit the times is really what you did. And I've learned over time that you can take the same product and if you just change the name and make something in the title speak to certain people, Mm -hmm. you're not misrepresenting what it is. It is what it is. But if you call it the welcome to your new home gift, And it's the same design that is the stay at home break room or, you know, whatever it is, you can just call it something different. So that's great for SEO purposes, but it also is great just from a descriptive standpoint. I don't know if you've ever done a podcast on how to write really good descriptions, but I could use that, a tune up on descriptions because I know it is so important. When I shop online, I get drawn in by whatever story or element of how they describe products to me. Okay, I'm making a note because that is really (laughs) good. No, you're right. It is good. So, and I think the other thing, just with descriptions and what you're talking about in terms of renaming, is we need to show our potential customers all different types of uses for our product. Like, we think it's so obvious, but not necessarily. Like, you're saying virtual gift rooms, get well, birthday, like, whatever it is, it's hard for people to make that extension sometimes of what your product could be used for. It is obvious to us, and I'm always surprised when people say, wow, that's so creative, because I feel like it should be obvious. Right. Here's another example. I'm sorry, I'm probably jumping ahead, but hospitality is huge for us. So when I look at where we've been impacted most by the current situation, it's definitely this time of year, especially, is when we have big conferences and big sales meetings and things here in Santa Barbara where people are buying out a resort. They have 100 or 500 people coming and we are providing the welcome amenity. And so we've had two events that were 500 people each, which were really big orders for us that have been canceled. And so when I started to see the writing on the wall with that, when they were not answering me back, when I could tell that they were like, well, we haven't made a decision, I knew that they weren't deciding on my gift. They were deciding, are we going to go to Santa Barbara or not? And so right away, I jumped in and I said, hey, and I didn't want to say, I didn't want to suggest that they not come. So I worded it very carefully. But I said, as you continue the planning process, be aware that we can absolutely do a boxed care package version of the welcome amenity and get it out to your guests to convey whatever messaging you might want to have, whether it's to get excited about the upcoming event, change something in the schedule of it, what have you. And people were like, that's so great. We didn't even think about that. And that's really how I'm teaching people to use gifting as a strategy for what they're doing. And they will have a budget for marketing and strategizing around something that's way bigger than just the gift budget that they've put as a line item. 
Right, because you're not positioning it as a gift. You're positioning it as part of the plan overall. Yes. For a business purpose, a result. Yes. The thing I'm really recognizing in all these things that you're talking about, Anne, is how proactive you are. You're just not waiting. You're rearranging and then going out and showing it to everybody. And then you're getting the orders in in kind. Yes. And I've also learned that if you can make somebody look good, you're going to get their business. So by sending a sample to my contacts at those companies that had changed to a workforce at home solution, they had it tangibly in front of them. They were able to get on the next meeting that they had, a strategy meeting with their team and lift up the box and show it to them. And it made them look like they were thinking way ahead. So people want to do business with people that they know, like, and trust, but also that are going to make them look good and that they know they can rely on for great ideas. Right. And you made them look good and it was so easy for them. Yes. You gave them the idea, you gave them the product, and you're ready to go. So let's talk now about what you did about Easter. I think this is brilliant. Okay, hold tight, you guys. I know you just heard me ask about Anne's Easter program, and I know it's past Easter at this point, But what she put in place can be used not just for the Easter holidays, but for events in the future. I can't wait for you to hear all about it. And we'll do it right after a quick break for our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Yeah, this was so interesting. And I want to just preface by saying, if I sound like I'm really confident about all this, I am not all the time. I just like anybody else on any given hour of the day, I can feel completely like, what do I do next? And then on top of it, like I got this, we can handle it. And it's just a roller coaster, right? I know that you have shared that because I've been in on some of your lives, which have been so critical. These like little meetups that you're doing are so great right now. Oh, thank you. Well, let me give a little shout out about them then (laughs) real quick. So what we're doing, anybody who doesn't know, over in my group, Gift Biz Breeze, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, 11 a.m. Central, I'm jumping on and we're talking a little bit of business. There's a lot of interaction. So I'm taking the Facebook comments and we're talking things through. You can ask a question if you have any questions. So please feel free. I'd love for any of you to jump in. You just have to join the Facebook group first, Gift Biz Breeze, and then we welcome you into these lives. Okay, carry on, Anne. <laughs> Thank you. No, I love that. And I have found some really great new products by some of the makers in your group too. So it's a good collaboration all around. Love hearing that. So, you know, we closed our doors on March 12th and right away I needed to make sure that my staff was safe. They felt comfortable in the environment they were in. And I did have to let most of them go and have brought them back at various degrees of needs and so forth. But their safety, that was my number one priority. 
we closed the doors and the whole front of the shop just sat there with the displays out. And it was so depressing to just only be in the back room in the production area. And slowly we started realizing this is going to go on for a while. And I looked at all this Easter inventory that I had purchased. Easter is my favorite time of year. And we do big, like we do our wine and design classes. Those are some of those things that have had to fall by the wayside kind of where people come and gather and we teach them how to make baskets and drink wine and socialize. It's just really fun. So we had all that planned, all this inventory. And I'm like, nobody's coming. Nobody can come. What do we do? So we have this welding garage with this funky driveway and then garage doors in the side of the driveway. And one morning I pulled up and I looked and I thought, this is like a shop right here. Like curbside pickup is great. But if you're in a position to actually have a pop-up that you can just close the door on each night and then lift it up and people never have to get out of their car and they can just point to what they want, that is the ultimate in contactless. Because then it was like, if people can imagine, it's like your big garage door as if it just lifted open and you had a two-car garage there. Yes, it's exactly like that. Yeah. So there's bays, like there's different bays. So it was covered. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, it's essentially a garage sale, right? So it's like a glorified garage sale. And we've just made it spectacular and not rinky dink. But also, I was realizing, like, if you were to go to CVS to a pharmacy and get Easter bunnies to put in your kid's Easter basket, that to me just seemed so yucky and uncertain. People have been touching stuff. It's just out in this environment that's not controlled. However, our stuff had yet to even be touched by anybody because it was brand new inventory. So that was a selling point for us. Sometimes I have learned that to compete with the big box guys, you just have to look to what your strengths are and what you have to offer that they can't. And then you totally highlight that. So not having to get out of the car, being able to support local businesses, people really, really at this time are wanting to continue to support their local businesses. So we're like a one-stop shop for that. You're supporting us, but you're supporting dozens of other small makers here in this town. So we created this fun drive up. And the way to promote that was I went online because I had already done an event page for the wine and design class weeks before. I went in and I said, hey, everybody that was going to come to this wine and design class, I'm going to jump on and do a virtual wine and design class. So here's the day we're going to do it. And this is the other thing. I didn't make it real salesy. Like, of course, you can come and pull up and buy stuff from us here. But I'm not encouraging you all to leave your homes. Order online, order at the pull up, or just make this Easter something special. And so I taught them how to make a basket out of things they might have laying around the house. And I think that this is a time when it's almost like we're politicians that are running for office. You don't see politicians, hopefully, in the middle of a crisis campaigning. No, they're like rolling their sleeves up. They're showing you what they're like in a crisis and they're gaining your trust that way. And then later, they're going to ask you for your vote. And in retail, the vote is in dollars in purchases. So I knew that this was just an opportunity to gain their trust, give them some education and some value. And then hopefully at some point, they'll come back and purchase later. So, okay, so you did the wine and design online, but very low key in terms of sales focus. Yes, more just about really the teaching and encouraging them to work with what they have and not stress out that this has to be the same kind of Easter that they always have. I mean, that's my message to everybody, even my children that I'm homeschooling. Like, we're going to rise to the occasion. We're going to work hard at this, but we're not going to let this is not the biggest priority. Our health and our sanity and our sense of peace is the priority right now. So we'll we'll adjust around it. 
And we had an excellent Easter. We might have had the best Easter that we've ever had. It's so interesting because people's options were limited. They did not want to go out. They also weren't doing Easter brunch with their family like they normally would. So we were doing big family Easter baskets with things like soup and cupcake sets and things that were become activities and cooking things that they could do at home. So the type of gifting is really shifted as well. Did you add any inventory to create more of the baking type things that they could actually make at home? Or were you really going off of all the inventory you had? I was really going off of all the inventory I had because even now, I just don't know what's coming next. Like it's been, thankfully, I do work with a lot of local small makers. So if you're listening and you're a local small maker of something, this is where you have the advantage over other people is that you can distribute to the people in your area quickly, easily, and on small amounts on a regular basis so that it's constantly the best, freshest inventory of whatever it is. Perfect. That's a good point. Yeah. So for instance, this cupcake mix. Allison Reed, who's fabulous, she'd be great on your show. She won Food Network's Cupcake Wars, and she has a whole line of boozy baking mixes. So it's like orange Chardonnay, pink champagne. She even has a line of beer ones, so it's like chocolate stout. We carry her items, and I didn't realize, like, you cannot get flour. I don't know. I mean, it's different probably where everybody is, but I cannot find flour in the grocery store anyway. Flour and yeast. I swear to God, everyone's baking bread. Yeah. It's got to be. So these cupcake mixes, which were not, I mean, they didn't, they've been popular, but they really have become popular because it's now it's become an activity as well as a gift item. Plus, it's great for birthdays because you send a birthday gift and they've got the wine and the cupcake mix and the candles and everything they need all in one place. I mean, we're having to make these celebrations be something special at home Mm -hmm. and you're providing an easy way for them to do it, which I think is fabulous. I want to go back to your actual setup of your drive-through. So walk through how that actually worked. Sure. And, you know, I can actually send you some pictures, too. If in your show notes you put photos in, I can send a picture to you of what it looks like. Okay. That'd be great. But I essentially just started taking the display from the front, elements of the display, and putting it in the back. And I had to make the pricing really visible from where they were from the car so they could see it. From a display standpoint, it's very much the same kind of thing we would do if we were going to do a pop-up shop. Like we did a Christmas market. It was very similar to that. So were people driving up, rolling down their window and say, I want one of these, one of these, two of these. Yes. And then what happened from there? So you're social distanced already. Yep. Then they'd pop their trunk and we would come out and put it in the back of the car for them. We had contactless credit card payment as well. But the other thing this did, Sue, was that we weren't missing out on the upsell opportunities because a lot of people did order online ahead of time. But then when they came to pick it up, they saw what we had and they said, oh, I want to get that for my mom. Or can you add two of those soup kits? I love those or whatever it is. And that's the advantage that a brick and mortar has that is being missed in all of this. If you don't have something where they can point and see what they want. Excellent ad. So were you seeing that a lot of these people were new first-time customers for you? Well, to be honest, with Easter, it was a lot of my friends and people that I knew. Just because it was being promoted, my friends were talking about, hey, you've got to go check out my friend Anne's place. So friends and friends of friends, referrals. For Easter, it definitely looked like that. Now, since Easter, I'm noticing that we're getting a ton of new people that are just discovering us that would have chosen some other form of gifting before they didn't know about us. And now they're ordering a few times in the last few weeks. I've seen the same people starting to reorder. Interesting. And so, and you've also made a comment to me that you think you're going to continue this. 
We are. And, you know, I do regular research. Every day I try to spend at least an hour in the morning just reading articles and listening to. We're part of, we belong to the Specialty Food Association. Like, I get a lot of information across a lot of different platforms. I think it's, I find it very helpful. And so I'm hearing this term, I don't know if you've heard of it, that's floating around called click to brick. Mm-hmm. And so this whole idea of curbside pickup, I really do think is here to stay. I think we're going to see retail with much smaller footprints, collaboration. Like we're doing the drive through well, we're doing it on a daily basis now, but now it's really themed towards Mother's Day. And I have some makers who do handbags or jewelry that I don't normally carry in my store, but I know they need an outlet and they need a platform to sell from. And so we're doing some consignment things with them in our shop as well so that we have their products. So I think collaboration, smaller footprints, when people do start going back into stores, a place like ours where they can sit and have a glass of wine and shop and do have form of entertainment is going to be more attractive than a great big mall. I don't know what's going to happen to our mall that we know how we've always known it. I think that's definitely changing. I agree with you. I think that, first of all, support of small business is going to only get better. You know, we've had it and I think it's gotten better and it's recognized in the special holidays. But this is just a re-emphasis on that. And I think we're going to see a lot of it. So people who are in the audience that I serve, including you, are going to benefit because Mm -hmm. people will want to be local. But I still think, just as you were talking about with the bunnies from (laughs) Costco or Walgreens or wherever, we still have to point those things out because it's not just going to be the obvious fact. And word spreads, I absolutely think. For sure. And before this happened, I was recognizing that experiential shopping is truly the way to compete against somebody like an Amazon, right? Because this idea of meeting your girlfriends for a glass of wine around our gathering table that we have in the front of our shop, and then being able to like look through and buy different retail things, that's huge. Doing the tasting events, doing the design classes that we do. And I wanted to share with you really quick, if I can, something I did this weekend, and I was totally thinking of your makers when this happened, because I have a really good friend who's a chef, a personal chef, and she's written a series of cookbooks. She has a line of herbs and jams and things, but chefs in general are being hit so hard during this time. And I wanted to find a way to support her. I wanted an excuse to support her beyond just buying her products for our shop. So, and my dad who lives in Orlando He's not seeing any of his grandkids. He's not able to do any of that. So he start. I can tell, I can just see that he's starting to get a little isolated feeling. So I came up with this idea to hire my friend to do a private cooking class with my dad and I. So I had him tune into one of her weekly Instagram or daily Instagram cooking segments. And I said, what do you think of her? And he said, she's delightful. And I said, great, because she's going to show up in your kitchen next week. (laughs) And I'm getting Instacart and I'm ordering you all the ingredients so you don't even have to leave your house. And he had that to look forward to all week. And then we got on on Sunday. My daughter was with me. And he was with my stepmom and then Pascal, the chef. And we had the most fun preparing at the same time in the kitchen with all the things that happen in the kitchen, this meal. And then afterwards she got off and he stayed on with us and we sat together and ate the meal that we had all just made. And it felt like such a great connection. And I thought, I wonder if any of your makers that do leather work or painting or something that they could do that would be able to teach what they do in a setting like that and get some income from the experience of it and maybe even whatever kit that was sent out in advance. 
But that whole experiential thing is just going to become so important, I think, as we move forward with this. I love that you shared that. And I totally agree. I think people are starting to see different ways of either putting kids together or offering some type of online training. And a lot of it jumps over even to educational because mom has to do something with the kids. Yeah, Not just during homeschooling, but free time. Like, what do you do? You can't go outside down to the local ballpark anymore. So everyone's had to get creative. I think this is great. I I love this idea, actually, a lot. Good. And I don't know, you just are able to come up with ideas like crazy. Like you, before we got on, you were telling me what you did for Aiden for his 16th birthday. Oh, yeah. Well, I think my mind works in very strange and different ways. And sometimes it's overwhelming the number of ideas that come at my head. And I have to remember that not everybody absorbs them the same way. Like my husband, if he has an idea, he researches it and it is going to become a reality for him. And he gets really focused in it. I, on the other hand, allow my brain to just have millions of ideas coming at it. And I announce them out loud and we talk about them. And if they don't happen, they don't happen. Or if a version of them does, and that stresses him out because he's like, a take the idea, make it happen. And I'm like, well, let's just start big and bring it down to what is a reality that can happen. And happen soon because some ideas are just so grandiose. Have you ever had an idea where you think it's so good, so good? And then the next day, it's like, what was I what thinking? Was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like even when I throw a party, I might have two or three games or activities at the ready to do. But if the party's flowing and whatever, I let go of it and just go, oh, We don't need to do that. It has to make sense. It has to fit in and make sense. So yeah, so yesterday for him, for his birthday, everybody's doing these drive-by caravans of cars. And I thought, man, I wish so much that I could invite all of them in to have a piece of this red velvet cake that I got from a local baker. And as I was thinking that, I realized, well, they make these little buntinis that are smaller. It's a smaller version of the big cake we're having. If I order enough of those, I can package them with my gloves and my mask on. And then I made little care packages. So as they drove by with their cars, I was able to hand each car contactlessly a box with cupcakes for them to enjoy the same cake when they got home. So, and then we did the water balloons. I I forgot that part. I gave them each water balloons to throw at him, which was kind of fun. (laughs) And you can do that in Santa Barbara. Yeah. You couldn't do that in all the areas of our country right now, like mine, Well, not this month. Yeah. (laughs) Snowballs, maybe. There you go. Well, you know, I'd be all over for that, too. That would work for me. Are there any ideas that you tried during this time that didn't really go as you had wanted? Well, I'll tell you back to those virtual workforce gift boxes. I was a little disappointed that that didn't take off right away. Now we are really seeing a big influx of people ordering those things. So that's an example of I had it locked and loaded. It was ready. I promoted it. I reached out and told people directly about it, but they just weren't ready. Can you imagine? I mean, I am not in their shoes, but if I had a whole team of people that I had to somehow figure out, do they all have enough Wi-Fi at home? What do they need from home? You know, like there's so much planning that was on the fly happening around that. And then just financially, like, what does our budget look like now? We have to shift and move. So they weren't ready for it in the beginning. I was ready for them. They weren't ready for me. And at the time, I kind of felt like, oh, I guess this isn't really a big thing. This isn't going to work. But now it is. So sometimes I think your ideas just might not be the right time. But if you just are patient and wait, it might come to fruition. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Because everyone was like, we didn't even have a handle on what it all meant to us. Like if you just walk outside, (laughs) you know, are you going to get it? Like nobody knew yet at that time. 
So the other thing that occurs to me is that with you, any, especially I guess you, because you were mentioning in the beginning in your area, you've had other issues, mudslides, the fires, all of that. Heaven forbid whatever comes in the future, you kind of started to set a precedent that this is something that you do. You create then specialty things for whether it's employees to do a virtual meeting or maybe for the firefighters for if they are going to have to stay somewhere. Like, I don't know all the services that you could provide them, but you're starting to position yourself also as a source for those types of things. Right. I unfortunately think that the pandemic we're in right now, I kind of equate it to like fire season here in California. Over the last few years, we've had to get used that this is our reality. At any given moment, a wildfire could break out somewhere and it might be small, it might be big. We just have to be prepared for it. And it is our new normal. And I'm so tired, actually, of that terminology. It just feels like almost aggressive. Well, you've been dealing with this for years, like a, a revised normal every year almost. Yes. And I think those are the times we're living in. This is not going to go away. It'll ebb and flow. This will recede. We'll have some semblance of going back to it's free to move about the cabin kind of activity. But then we'll have to put the seatbelt sign back on again. I think we have to start positioning our businesses to know that this isn't the last time it's going to happen. But we can prepare for the next time. So maybe it won't be as much of a shock, I guess I'd say. Or a learning curve, right? Because people will are like, they'll know that this already exists the next time they have to send their workforce home. Right. So that's something for us to think through. I mean, we're still in the middle of it right now. So anything that you can do, Anne has now given us a number of different ideas. So if you haven't incorporated some of these or they feel like they're a good fit, it's still a great time to do this. But I think when I equate this to a birdcage, when the door opens and we get to fly free again for a little Mm -hmm. while, it's still smart to go back and think, okay, what should I put in place now for the future? And have that plan so there's not so much anxiety. You just flip the switch on your action plan. It's become so obvious that we all are living through this in a very, very different way. And our experience and our anxiety level, people that have someone with autoimmune disorders at home are having a very different experience than someone who is not even concerned they have younger kids, whatever it is. It's all very different. So creating a business model that serves different clients with different desires of how to reach you and purchase from you, I think is what to pay attention to. Absolutely. Tell me what you're feeling for the future, apart from not just this and everything that we've talked about, because honestly, the ideas that you have, the things that you've put in place that you've already proven can work are priceless. And it's such a gift for you to share those with us. Thank you. Apart from all of this, what are you seeing for your business as you move forward? We were in a position of growth, finally. Like, that is the irony here, is that we had just taken over another unit in our building to make it 3,000 square feet instead of 2,000. We were just looking and researching and investing in some equipment to start doing more custom work because so many of our corporate clients come to us and provide logoed mugs and things like that. I mean, your ribbon print machine clearly has been something that has just transformed our business. And so that whole idea of offering custom things on the fly, especially in one or two off or 10 off or without having to have these huge minimums, we were in a position to do that. And then this hit. And so we were kind of extra exposed because now our rent was higher. We had added more employees. We were just about to grow. So I hope that we can get just back to there where we can start looking at growth again. It's clear that 
delivery and shipping is a big method of how people will receive our stuff. So that we're focused on that. We, we need to tighten up how we become a little bit more seamless with how we're packaging and getting things out the door quickly. Well, I'm optimistic for you because you have the client base in line already, right? Thank you. So yeah. it's just adding additional services. So you're really looking at how can we provide more for existing clients we already have. And through that, you'll be getting new clients as well. Absolutely. And to just be ready for it. I think you and I had a conversation at one point about how I've always believed that even if you don't have an international trip planned, you should have your passport updated and ready. If you're not out looking for a job, you should still have your resume updated and ready to hand somebody if the right person comes along and asks for it. And so even if it feels weird right now to dream about where your business can go and think about ways to grow it, still do the research on the equipment that you want to invest in or whatever the strategy is, because when the time comes, you want to have that ready to go. That's another thing with the whole PPP and all that, like having your taxes done and your books in order and all that stuff will allow you to be one of the first in line to apply for something like that because you're ready. Right, because somebody who hasn't kept their books up to date had to go back and do all of that before yeah. they could even apply. Well, Anne, this has been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much. I have total faith in the future that you're going to have. Wow. So I want everyone to go over and look at, they should go to your website and your Facebook page, I think, to see both. Or Instagram, better yet, Instagram. And Instagram, for sure. I put a lot of behind the scenes stuff and fun daily stuff up in my stories. You are great with stories. Thank you. And Sue, thank you for the community that you've created because the one big thing I've learned is we're all grappling with various degrees of loneliness. We are home and very close with the people that we're in quarantine or in sheltering in place with, but that doesn't mean that we don't feel lonely for a sense of a larger community. And you have created that and it's invaluable. And for anybody listening that isn't tapped into that. There's many different ways I know to connect with you, whether it's all the way up to a mastermind group, right? Or just the daily check-ins that you're doing over on Facebook. Well, thank you. I appreciate you so much for saying that. I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, have a great day. And again, thanks for your time. Thank you, Sue. Take care. Be safe and healthy. So many good ideas here. You may have to bookmark this one and come back and listen again. Having multiple channels to get your message out? Shift the message and the purpose of your product to fit the times? And catch your customer at the right time when they're ready to buy. All of these things come from knowing your customer well. And Anne's been a perfect example of this for us. And now next week, oh, I'm so excited for this one. We're going to be talking with a retail boutique owner who shut her doors weeks ago. Her life has changed, but she's selling, and I mean selling a lot, every single day. Attracting new customers, making money, and having a lot of fun with it at the same time. I don't want you to miss it. Remember, first thing Monday morning, subscribe, and then you'll have it ready and waiting for you. And until then, be safe and be well. Bye for now. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, 
and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.